Success Matrix. In this episode, Andile and Liso speak with so much clarity on being able to plan, implement, and evaluate the operations of your impact organization. Standards, norms, and tools to evaluate your efforts are also unpacked. But let us allow you to hear it for yourself. Through this podcast, we seek to create a space, a space of refuge for entrepreneurs taking their first few steps into the severe test and trial that is entrepreneurship. The Crucible, a podcast by Andy Lee and Liso. Hello, guys. Welcome back to The Crucible Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We are now on episode number four. And today we'll be focusing on impact metrics or success metrics or indicators of success in terms of how you measure that and and how it fits into the running of your enterprise and, and what sort of value it adds to your business. As always, Andile behind the mic, accompanied by Liso. When we talk about running a social enterprise, those of you that have listened to our previous episodes will remember that we've spoken about the mission. When we focus on social enterprises, we've spoken about focusing on the mission and building a social enterprise by design. And part of building the enterprise by design entails identifying what it is that you will be tracking such that you are able to say, yes, we are achieving our goals as a social enterprise or no, we are not achieving. And then you are able to then start to ask your questions. Why aren't we achieving? How do we improve? How do we pivot? So we'll be diving a little bit into some of those and we'll be sharing our ideas our experience and some of the content that we've read or studied and that informs how how we work and and how we think and how we've built our own enterprises so i think one of the first things which is a concept that we like to use a lot in the work that we do is knowing where your true north is understanding where it is that you want to go And whenever you find yourself drifting off off path or experiencing what we termed previously as mission drift, understanding when you say you want to go back to the original mission, where is it exactly that you're going back to? What is it that you're going back to? And your true north is stated in your mission. That is your true north and that is what should guide where you go. Whenever you find yourself moving away, you need to always remind yourself that I need to or we need to as a team go back to our true north. And you know, when you're building a business from the ground up or, or a startup, there's a lot of different things that you need to do as whether you're running it as an individual or as a team, between the finances managing the finances, fundraising, also handling the marketing, the branding, the product development, etc. There's a lot of things that could possibly take you off or veer you away from your true north. And if you don't know where your true north is, you are likely to continue down that trajectory. 
And that's why it is very, very, very important that it is stated. I like to say if you're fortunate enough to have a, an office or a working space, put it on a nice post or a nice chart and put it on the wall such that every time you walk into your working space, even if it's at home, in your garage, in your bedroom, if you work from your bedroom, have it up there every time you open the door or every time you open your eyes, it is one of the first things that you see, which then allows your brain to process it and it almost becomes second nature. And even when you're not in your working space and you find yourself drifting away subconsciously your brain consciously or subconsciously your brain always reverts back you you see your business you see the world through the lens of that mission or of achieving that mission and and that's what we mean when we say you need to know your true north and it becomes even more important um, when you're working in a team and you know, now we work from home, you know, we work from coffee shops and people working in their spaces always need to be working towards the same goal, the same mission. And that's your true north. So it needs to be engraved in the team's, uh, you know, subconscious, needs to be there consciously, but it also needs to be there subconsciously such that when you build and when you work in your own spaces, when you are overseeing the finances of the business, if you need to, or if you're at a stage where you need to go out and seek funding, for instance, once you start growing and you need to continue to accelerate, you raise the funding through the lens of your mission. Yeah, I think from, from me, one, one very, very important thing, because many people talk specifically in the space that we are in, in terms of you know uh, the impact space, people like to throw around these terms, impact, and and uh, you know uh, outcomes, and we know what they mean, but on their own they are really empty. So it's really important that we go back to these principles. I think we learned them in high school. Some of them were reinforced even in varsity. Where they then begin to talk about this true north or your ultimate goal being one that is smart. Um, so, so, so for me, uh, knowing that you want to win or knowing that you want to reach a certain destination, it's, 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 not, it's not sufficient. You must also be clear on the how. Mm-hmm which then informs how you evaluate your steps in getting there. You know, um, If you wanted to move between Durban and Joburg and you are not clear on the how, um, if it takes you one hour um, via a flight, um, you've gotten to Joburg and you've done it efficiently. However, if it takes you about nine hours or it takes you eight hours on a bus, You've still got into Joburg and it is uh, also possibly efficient uh, in terms of a financial or monetary basis versus the flight. So what that then means is um, if it's not really uh, clear in terms of how you intend to get there, uh, it can still muddy uh, how you evaluate yourself specifically in route. I think something that's very important that, and it's something as basic as a smart goal, you know, uh, being very specific, uh, you know, making it measurable, uh, dealing with something that's, you know, uh, achievable, uh, also, uh, you know, the reali- realistic, 
but more importantly, you know, time bound to say by when do we intend. And that then also allows us to then begin to be able to evaluate um, uh, how we're moving towards that, that true north. So I think that for me is very important. Mm. And, and, and I think it, it leads nicely into the next talking point to say or to ask, what does it look like? Uh, the success and that principle around smart goals some something as simple and uh, that is easily you know um what's the word it's easy to overlook to say when must we achieve it by is it even within our reach to get there and how specific we get um, is 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 very very important in understanding what does a success look like. So, you, and I think for me, it's very important that even before you start building the first product, even before you start offering the first hour of service, if you're a service based business or enterprise, it's important to identify, determine what the success looks like and and a simple example could be that we want to have 1500 people coming into our gym at least twice every week that's a smart goal and it's very clear and once you hit 1,450, you know that there's still some room to improve. Once you hit 2,000, 1,700, it's easy to tell that you've done very well. And as you go, you can then start to adjust upwards because you've seen that you are now able to exceed what you had originally set as a goal. And you can revise your goals upwards because we're all about building sustainable and scalable businesses when you say sustainable we're talking about longevity um, businesses that operate even outside of the individual the founder um, businesses that can replicate diversify and grow organically um, and and that growth can only be measured when you know what your success looks like. And and I think it's important for me um, to always do it at the beginning. For me, I think really, really um, an important one. And, and I think maybe I want to divert a bit, um, speaking to that importance of being clear on the true north, which I want to term the purpose, uh, the why, uh, you know, uh, of whatever initiative or whatever business, whatever activity that you're doing. Being really clear on the why allows you to be able to attract people who are aligned to that why, who are aligned to that purpose. Well, sometimes we want to do it on passion, and passion sometimes, you know, it, it's more internal, um, you know, to say, I love it and uh, I, 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 I think this can work. But once you begin to talk about, you know, a true north, you know, uh, talking about creating change, talking about, uh, you know, uh, inviting others on that journey with you having a clear purpose allows then this business or this organization or this initiative that you are founding to transcend you as an individual 
um, because if it's really aligned to um, your passion alone and it doesn't have a true north that others can be able to begin to evaluate and adopt as their own, you're unlikely to go very far, you know. Businesses have never, and successful businesses at that, have never been a one-man show. Yes, there have been dominant individuals in those spaces. However, the purpose and the why that they're pushing with has always been very clear, which then allows them to be able to attract talent that aligns with that why. Unless, you know, it then becomes a cult. We can talk about other things. When people are saying they're doing something because, you know, your, your passion for it is infectious, it's you that they are after. And if you were to, you know, change in terms of how you think or change in terms of what you do, it then becomes problematic for the organization because it can drift different directions. However, if it's the purpose and the goal which you seek to achieve that people are motivated by, then it becomes really about finding people with uh, similar purposes, similar uh, vibrations, uh, others would say. So I think it's something that for me is very important that it must be not only on passion that you push, but on purpose. And that's where the true north comes in. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe to move on to the next part to say how do we then begin to you know track these goals we've decided on what the purpose is uh, and at times you know depending on our context depending on our exposure or outlook to life you know the the, the quantifiable amounts or the measurable uh, elements of the goal are quite difficult when you start from wherever from rural limpopo from rural eastern cape and you've got you know a goal of disrupting a certain organization or a certain space the level at which you see yourself being able to disrupt it is you know uh, determined by your exposure to things you then ask yourself to say uh, is it possible that i can do such things you know um, th- there was a story uh, of a young boy very smart goes into corporate um you know it graduated top of his class um, he then goes into this big corporate science with them and he's in the sales division um so he's supposed to sell and he's got targets and when he looks at the targets you know they obviously he's gone through the training you know they've trained him on the processes they've trained him on the assets or the technologies that you use etc etc but when uh, it then comes for the KPI determining to say, okay, this is your weekly target or this is your annual target, they spoke of numbers of values that were too high. They've spoken about, for example, to say, no, you must bring in business that is worth 7 million rand each quarter. You know, he's signed for this big multinational. Yes, he's gone through the training. Yes, he's bright, top of his glass, and in fact, but 7 million rand, his upbringing, his context and exposure, they're failing to reconcile. To say, is it really possible that I can be able to drive sales for 7 million? I don't even know how 700,000 looks, but now I'm being asked to have a target of 7 million rand. So in goal setting, sometimes the most difficult part is coming to set that uh, measurable goal. And that's why people end up running away from it because they don't want to commit to a certain value 
because one, their reality doesn't align or doesn't make it possible for them to see themselves achieving amounts of figures of that value. So I think that one, very important that at times when you do your goal setting, you bring in a, a bit of an external person that can say it's possible, we've done it, it's not that deep, this is how you do it. I mean, I look at myself, when we started, uh, we would see in high school, you know, not in high school, but earlier days in varsities, people coming in uh, to present programs that they've been in, they've made a revenue of 60, 80,000, 90,000, and would say, yo, this is like they've really done, they've really done well. And when I look at it now, my context, I'm like, no, it, it, they're doing okay. Um, and then and, and we've gone on to look at some research and talk about, you know, street vendors in Durban, uh, CBD at the taxi rank area there. And we found that they are, are bringing in on average uh, five to 7,000 uh, per month. And if you put that together in an annual, that's without much academic background and, uh, you know, no innovation um, to the scale that we would um, see innovation. But they're already bringing in, you know, 80,000, 90,000 uh, per annum, which at times is even more than some internships uh, bring in. Obviously, that would be your revenue and not necessarily your profit. But now, how do you do it? Um, I think one, very important to use basic things like uh, setting up uh, smart goals. More importantly, it's, it's an issue of mindset when you talk about uh, getting to the goals and uh, documentation. So the goals need to, one, uh, be broken into you know that mission, the true north. You say, this is my true north, and that needs to be a smart true north. Very specific measurable, also achievable, relevant, and also time-bound, that main one. But you then need to break it down into smaller, biteable pieces. And that's when it then becomes, you know, a bit more realistic and a bit more relevant to your context, specifically if you don't come from a space whereby, you know, huge numbers are things that you're familiar with. What uh, do I then need to do in a three-month space? What do I then need to do in a two-month space? Scan, make it specific, and then all the way to a day. And if you begin to get into that rhythm to say, when I start my day, I've got this to-do list that is ultimately contributing towards moving me closer to my true north. Uh, and you get into that rhythm of these small tasks that you do on a, on a daily, and at the end of the week, you're then able to recap on what you've been able to do and as you move a bit closer to that true north you then begin to pick up what we call momentum because you, you're getting into a rhythm and a rhythm drives momentum and once you are having momentum you then begin to realize that some of the things that you thought were beyond you are not so far beyond you that's now from a mentality or a mindset a perspective to say we need to break it down to manageable or biteable pieces. Um, you know, it goes a bit into project management, you know, when you talk about the different actions that need to be done. Whether it's something as minute as writing an email, whether it's something as minute as collecting a certain piece of data, it's, it's, it's not necessarily minute because if you are, you know, afraid of 
make an example of uh, measuring your accounting books if you are documenting on a daily how much is coming in and how much is going out by the time you need to get to the end of the week you're very clear on what your inflows and outflows are by the time you, you need to get to the end of the month the end of the uh, the year you then begin to be able to see okay this is what this amount looks like uh, on a daily i think we've done a certain exercise which um, you know it's dubbed the, the reverse income statement which allows you at a financial basis to start by saying uh, for me what uh, is a realistic amount of money that i can uh, make um, and from that amount you then deduct your daily expenditures and you divide it by 30, you divide it by, well, rather 20 if you're opening for five days a week, which then brings you to say, on a daily, this is my goals and targets. And things like that, um, you know, for smaller businesses, change a target of 10,000 10, per month to a target of, say, something like 200 rand per month, which just makes it more closer to you, but per day, uh, yeah. makes it per day, yeah. Uh, just makes it more closer to you and in doing that um, it makes it uh, a, a bit more realistic and it then allows allows you to be able to motivate yourself to be able to achieve it you know the leap that you need to make is not one that is too scary for you as an individual i think on on that um where it becomes really powerful to me is you don't have to wait for the end of the month to see, you know, whether you are moving in the right direction or not. If your target is 200 rand a day and you've only made 80 rand, you know that somewhere in the next one, one of the next four days, I need to make 320 or I split that 120 over the next few days or the next few weeks such that you are in a position to make uh, to make those goals. And why do we set goals and why do we break down goals into weekly tasks? And why are we collecting the data? Because we want to be in a position whereby we can be able to make decisions. And bringing that data closer to a daily or a weekly or short cycles allows you to be able to make decisions that are quick and that are reliant or, or that are informed by the data. That then allows you to be able to say, look, it's been a week that I'm not hitting my 200 goal. Uh, what am I doing wrong? Is it my marketing? Is it um, my location? Is it perhaps the product that I'm moving? It then allows you to be able to pivot much quicker. And that is why this element is so important, specifically for people who are operating in the impact space. You can't wait till the end of the financial year when you need to report to your funder or you need to be able to share your annual report to be able to share the good work that you're doing to only pick up that you haven't been hitting the numbers that you needed to be hitting. But uh, breaking down goals into a daily, weekly fortnightly does is it allows you to be agile it allows you to make decisions on the fly and avoid all the red tape that comes with being corporate and those are the benefits of being a startup you're then able to make you know decisions on the fly pivot and change and by the time the storm hits the rest of the guys in the space you've been 
able to understand uh, certain things a bit better and move on from there. So I think for me, that's that's really, really an important element of this all. I think um, moving on, um, understanding now that we need to be able to measure our success and how do we begin to do it. In the end, you need to be able to you know, report back on these kind of things. And there's certain statutes that exist that are promoting things like uh, triple bottom line, but maybe perhaps you might not be aware of what that is. I think uh, perhaps if we can go into just, you know, uh, breaking down the, the triple bottom line element, which, you know, it's a catchphrase that has been used since the beginning of time when it comes to sustainability. You know, we've spoken a bit about um, breaking down these goals and we've spoken about having a long-term view, but in that, you know, you've, 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 you sort of, break it down into bite-sized chunks. I think when referring specifically to the triple bottom line, which, which as you've rightly said, is a catchphrase, especially in, in, in the social impact or the impact space, we're referring to, in fact, maybe, maybe let me take a step back. You know, we're always taught that a business exists to make profit. Um, but from a social enterprise perspective, the phrase is true, but not entirely. There are other elements that need to be incorporated uh, such that it's not only about profit. And the triple bottom line refers to the impact that you have, yes, on profit, one, that's the first P. It also refers to the impact that you have on people and social relationships and social interactions, social standing, and it also, that's the second P, people, then it also refers to the impact that you have on the planet, on the environment, for those in, say, maybe the energy space, green energy, lowering carbon emissions, decreasing carbon footprints, you know, these, these are all terms that are, that are all thrown up in the air within sustainable business practices uh, and those spaces. And it's important as a social enterprise, given the context, you know, what industry, what uh, sector you're operating in, to identify how you address two or more of these P's. Um, I think it's always a decent start for me on a personal level. It's always a decent start when you can at least tackle two of these three. I think in most businesses, the profit would lead the way as an indicator of success or as an indicator that you are moving towards your true north. But it's also important to ensure that we leave positive legacies amongst the people that we live. And that speaks to targeting that's, that second P, uh, which is people social relationships, improving how people feel about themselves. And, and you know, we can, we can go on and on. And also then that, that issue around the planet. Um, I think to expand a little bit more and maybe to throw in another uh, theorem or concept, um, which is again, you know, thrown up in the end, seldom really 
broken down and, and explained, and I'll try and be quick about it, is the one around the theory of change. It's a model where you are able to break down, as we've previously said, your goal into bite-sized or specific sub-goals, if I could use that term, where you've got your purpose and your mission at the very, very end. Um, you want to give people uh, in the Vembe district, in Toyando, access to clean running water. Then you need to determine, you know, within the next 18 months, say, then you need to determine in going towards that purpose or that mission, or that goal, what are the inputs that you need? What are the activities that need to be, that need to take place? So in essence, what do you need to do with all of these inputs and resources? From the activities, what are the measurable outputs that you need to see? And what do those outputs lead to such that you are able to achieve that goal? And, uh, you know, doing this at the beginning, you know, at, at the beginning of a period, at the beginning of the business when you just conceptualized and you know what your purpose is, it can feature in many different contexts. You can do it, you know, every year, every quarter, um, or you can have it, you know, if you're just running a project uh, that will start on this day and end on a particular day, you can then do it at the beginning of that particular period. In the in the planning or in the conceptualization around that, for me, it's always easier to start at the end. So you start with that goal mm -hmm. that you have in mind, mm -hmm. that purpose, um, and then start to work back. And you may have multiple streams and you say, you ask yourself as a team, as a company, as a business, for us to actually realize and achieve this purpose, what are the outcomes that we need to see? Mm -hmm. That's where they begin to talk about things like preconditions. So yes. what are the existing conditions that need to be there for me? What must the environment look like mm -hmm. for me to be able to achieve these goals? And then how do I then create that environment? Exactly. And in creating that environment, you then start to move back and say, you know, these are some of the outcomes. And, and when we refer to outcomes, we, we, we're referring to, you know, a particular change sometimes it's quantifiable uh, sometimes it's qualitative where the quality of the water maybe the water's there but it's not of a high quality i think there was a case somewhere in the Tswane region in Gauteng. i don't want to mention the wrong area but it's in the Tswane region where they were complaining that the water is it's visibly you know not Dirty. It's yeah, it's, it's visibly dirty. You know, I was trying to use a more mild term. You know, it's it's visibly dirty, and there've been cases of people getting sick, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, in getting to those outcomes, you then need to say what 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 are then the outputs? And the outputs are more often than not quantifiable. You can put a number to it. You can count the heads. You can count the number of items. You can count the number of days, the number of products, the number of hours. You are, you are able to 
pinpoint a specific um, uh, output in a quantitative manner. Uh, simply put, you can put a number to it. Let me leave the, mm-hmm. the fancy English. You can put a number to it. Um, and then you start to move further back and you say, for us to have X number of this, X number of that, X hours of this, what are the activities that we need to do? Now you're starting to break it down. What are the activities that need to take place so that we can get to this point or to get to these um, outputs? And then for those activities to take place, what are the resources and the inputs that you need? And it's, you know, it's a very theoretical and I would say even academic sort of exercise, but it helps and it puts things into perspective. And when you investigate the model further, you can even go and, and, and identify that the model is based on assumptions. Usually at the beginning of the period, at the beginning of the year, when you start the business, you assume that um, once you have done these activities or once you have these resources, you will be able to do this activity. Once you've done these activities, you'll be able to hit these outputs. I think speaking on assumptions, um, specifically when it comes to this model, I think it's very, very important that we speak about you know, uh, assumptions that are documented. You know, because you all have these assumptions that, you know, they are unsaid, uh, they are unknown. Well, they are known, uh, but they are not commun- communicated uh, in the group or to yourself. Now, obviously, I assume for me to be able to go to town that uh, I would have, uh, you know, a, a car of my own. I would have a 15 run to jump on a taxi. But what this model also encourages you to do is to document those assumptions. And then before you move after finishing it off to do a bit of assumption testing, um, because what 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 it does is um, it recognizes that you work on assumptions. However, uh, you need to test some of the assumptions, which then allows you to pivot early on. You know, you assume that uh, a certain group of, for example, you want to be doing a training, and you say, you know, there's a community hall or there's a, a church hall. Um, you, you assume that the church would be able to give it to you for free or you assume that the municipality would be able to give it to you for free. It's important to say even before we start to invite people on the posters and everything, let us test if that assumption is correct. Let us try and get the municipality to commit to giving us the, the hall or the church uh, to commit to giving us the hall. And that assumption testing allows us to debunk all these assumptions, find the correct ones, uh, and where the assumption was incorrect, uh, be able to pivot early on in the in the planning sp- uh, stages, which then allows you to minimize, you know, uh, the risk of, uh, you know, losing out on reaching certain goals purely because you had assumed things would be uh, uh, of a certain nature. We, we embrace assumptions, but more importantly, um, within the theorem of change, we want to be testing those assumptions if they are true or false. So I think that that's just a contribution that I wanted to make in ter- when it comes to the theorem. To say assumptions are there, but but you must test the assumption. I think we 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 have spoken quite a bit about the triple bottom line. What what that entails. We've also unpacked i think something that was a meaty topic in terms of you know uh, theorem of change but 
you know, uh, in terms of reporting back as an organization, you know, you've got, you know, different types of people that you're accountable to, whether you are a solopreneur or whether you are a partnership, whether you are cooperative, whether you are a non-profit organization in whatever statutory body shape you form, you know, NGO, NPO with um, social development within the Republic of South Africa, PBO or public benefit organization with SARS or whether you are an NPC with the SIPSI or maybe you are wearing all those hats. You know, there's certain statutes that you need to be able to comply with as prescribed by uh, wherever you are registered. But I think one thing that um, is becoming more and more important is, is what we call uh, good governance uh, and, 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 and the framework uh, that you know, really guides us on this is King, you know, which is, you know, a, a report that was released, or has been released periodically over a long period of time now. It was informed by uh, the collapse of, uh, you know, the accounting big five scandals that we've had, you know, in, in the past. Um, if you're you in, I'm, I'm an accounting graduate, so if you're in that space, you'd understand that back in the days we had a big five, uh, you know, which uh, included Enron. Um, however, we've since come to have a, a big four, and that really influenced, you know, uh, this guideline document, which is not really law, but it's a guideline document that speaks on a few principles that corporates uh, need to be aligning with. Um, in the past, it's really been looking at um, things like how a board of directors uh, works in a company, the accountability, the transparency, the decision-making, dealing with um, stakeholders, whether it's labor-sending communities or it's uh, resource-rich uh, or input-rich communities and uh, the likes. So this document really seeks to improve uh, the governance uh, within organizations. And in the past, you know, it was talking about a board of directors, but now it's talking about the governing people. When we talk about governing, we're talking about SGPs in schools. We're talking about trustees in, you know, uh, NGOs or uh, foundations. We're talking about directors and owners in small businesses. And it's, it's really scalable in terms of, what you want to do with it's a meaty topic that we could you know speak about for the whole day however just to touch on it is to say it's it's, it's really an important one because it begins to introduce things that are speaking about um, one being accountable to you know your stakeholders to say the business does not belong to the shareholder uh, alone but it as it impacts the entire community, it belongs to all the stakeholders. When we say stakeholders, we then become to be a bit broad. It means you've got a responsibility towards your customers. We talk about the suppliers. It means you've got a responsibility towards your suppliers. It talks about the employees. It means you've got a responsibility towards your employees. The responsibility to govern ethically and to govern with transparency. I think that's the most important element that we take from that document. And it's usually prescribed for companies that are, you know, listed uh, within the JSE or stock exchange. Um, however, it is applicable to all organizations. And I think if you are 
wanting to create an organization that can you know transcend you as we've said in the beginning transcend your passion to move towards a clear purpose it's really important that you begin to look at some of these statutes that exist within um, king uh, four uh, perhaps maybe by the time you get to that level you might have a king five report or a king six report but I just want to speak to maybe one uh, or share one of those principles that I think is, is really close to my heart, specifically the one of stakeholders in this in this context. And if I if I were to, you know, extract from King the, the principles uh, or this uh, principle sixteen that speaks to stakeholders says, uh, in the execution of its governance roles and responsibilities the governing body should adopt stakeholder inclusive approach that balances the needs interests and expectations of material stakeholders in the best interest of the organization over time so where there it begins to say is what we've talked about from the onset to say you really need to be looking at you know the greater community and what uh, are you looking to um, change in that space and you need to be inclusive in terms of how you tackle that. It brings us back to what we talked about in, 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 in episode one, whereby we began to see all organizations are more and more becoming uh, social enterprises and all social enterprises are also becoming mainstream enterprises and nothing uh, proves that more than having a corporate governance report that is circulated globally that doesn't speak to one form of ownership but says I am applicable in a listed company within the GSE but I'm also applicable within a public institution like a school but I'm also applicable within a municipality. So that then says really the world is moving in a direction whereby people are beginning to matter more. It's not just labor. It's not just uh, human capital, even though that's a nice term. But uh, people are beginning to become their business and the profit is becoming, uh, you know, um, not second, but the people are beginning to catch up with it. So I think that's that's the one part that uh, very important. I think building on that, you know, that begins to speak about the standards and the norms within the space that you need to be able to understand. Over and above that, I think one thing that is very important in this space, which uh, you know, I think over time, I hope uh, w- w- it will change. But the one headache that I have with the space is that there's really no common definitions for many things. You know, there's no regulatory body that will say to you, okay, this is impact, this is not impact, this is impact, this is not impact. Yes, we've got norms and what you know people would think, but we don't have you know a regulatory body and standards. And therefore, um, it's always important for you in you capturing your information to always be transparent rather, uh, and uh, you know say what you mean and mean what you say, and then uh, use uh, relevant tools. Uh, for you to be able to be capturing this document on uh, this information on an ongoing basis, you know, um, you could use uh, uh, those different tools that are out there. You know, we've uh, looked at uh, from from my side tools like uh, Sopact that allows you to use a browser to be able to capture data on an ongoing basis, whether you're capturing the number of customers that have come into your business, whether you're capturing the number of trainees that you've worked with, whether you're capturing the number 
of uh, liters that you have used in your farming activities on a day on a daily basis but what's special about this platform is that it allows you to be able to capture different types of diverse data and work on a report at a later stage depending on the requirements of that report whether it's for you to share with your stakeholders or funders um, but even more special what i love about it is that it's accessible it allows you to operate on a browser and it allows you to operate without connectivity to see it caches whatever information that you have and once you become uh, you come to a spot whereby this internet connectivity or the network is picked up then you can then be able to update that information onto a database whilst you've already have captured it so i think it's really something powerful specifically for those operating you know in vulnerable communities and spaces where there's no data and connectivity it allows you to be able to capture data real time as we've said on a day-to-day -day, on a week-to-week -week, um, and then be able to analyze it and make decisions that uh, can be benefiting uh, the stakeholders that king has talked about in principle 17. but um, i know there's there's different things that people need to be thinking about you know maybe if you can drive us into that okay um we've spoken you know a mouthful about different um elements of how we view how we measure success we've shared some uh, tools and resources and frameworks and i think in in closing the episode i always like to finish off with something that really stands out and that is breaking down that purpose into bite-sized chunks that we can achieve on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly. It's extremely helpful. And I talk from what I've done in, in my businesses that I run with my partners. It's really, really helpful. And if there's one thing that you take away, something as simple as a smart goal is not to be overlooked. Liso, closing comments? I think from my side, I want to echo those words to say we want to kiss it, you know, keep it simple, stupid in terms of breaking down these goals so that they don't become overwhelming to us. And if somewhere in the beginning, you know, you need to dumb down the goal so that you can get going. Now, in the beginning, I've talked about, you know, that reality of to say if the numbers are too high, your lived reality, your lived uh, experiences, sometimes they conflict with the goals. So it's always important to say, actually, where do I start? How do I start? What is the simplest and easiest way to start, but still moving towards my true north? And once you are able to do what you can with what you have in terms of setting those goals, but also in terms of executing, you then begin to build that momentum so start simple and then the momentum and rhythm will come and when that comes you are then able to take down you know the snowball effect take down bigger tasks bigger activities as, as you grow and become a gorilla yourself so very important that we start simple we start small but don't stay small start small to grow big I think that's where we'll leave it. Uh, we'd like to thank the audience for staying with us during this episode. And we will be back with uh, more interesting topics, uh, looking at bringing you guys guests now to begin to share some of these insights that we've been sharing with you and share their lived experiences 
um, in the different networks and spaces that they're in. And uh, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, whenever someone listens to your ideas, uh, even if it's one person, if it's two people, it's always significant if we are truly grateful. Until next time, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.